Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Hello, welcome back to the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, and this week, only Sam. Don't worry, it's not going to be a mad ramble with just me talking to myself. I'm delighted to say that on this week's podcast, we have an interview to play you. I had the luck to be able to speak to a lady called Kat, who is the co-chair of Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. I was able to put some questions to her that me and the fellow admins from Spurs News Facebook page had thought of, and also some questions from fans on the Facebook page who were lucky enough to see our post. It's a really good interview. I really enjoyed speaking to her. Uh, You can tell just from speaking to her and listening how passionate she is about our club and how, as a trust and as a fan, she feels, well, she feels everything we do. And it's just great to to get that perspective. But I'm not going to prejudice it. I'm not going to say any more. I want you to have a listen. So here it is, the interview with Kat from this week. Hey everybody, I'm delighted to say on the Spurs News Podcast this week, uh, I'm joined by Kat, who is from the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. Hello, Kat. Hello, Sam. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, I was really pleased to hear from you, actually, because you have been a great friend of the Trust over the past months and years, and it's very, very much appreciated. So anything that I can do to help you guys in return, then I'm more than happy to do so. Oh, that's that's very kind. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I'll tell you something, and then we'll start this off sort of straight away diving into it. One of the things that sort of amazes me with the trust is the almost like a lack of awareness that Mm. it even exists to start with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm 37. He says, sort of lower in his head, and I, <laughs> I've been a Spurs fan all my life. And to be honest with you, I only became aware of the trust myself, sort of three, four, uh, yeah, about four years ago. Yeah, um, sure. So, so again, I, I think I can kind of speak firsthand that there was a real lack of any. In fact, I think I was on Twitter discussing with someone. You know, it'd be great if we, we as fans could just have a real voice and speak to someone. And I think someone tagged you in the conversation and went, look here, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it already exists. Yeah. But no, yeah. ever since then, I've been I've been beyond impressed. Uh, you know, it's very oh, easy for fans to enough. sit in a pub, sit on social media and rant and rave. It's something completely different to actually get off your backsides and try and make positive changes. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I mean, the trust has actually been in existence um, since 2001. Yeah. Um, there are trusts, uh, oh, I don't know, around about 100 clubs up and down the country. So it's not a new phenomenon. And no. I think um, the trust had, uh, you know, limited success, but a fair bit of success uh, in the early years. But you're quite right. It then became more or less a dormant body, a dormant organisation. And I joined the board in February 2013. And that's when we undertook a rebrand and a relaunch. And we changed our little logo. And we really started working social media channels. I think we had 500 followers or something on Twitter. Mm. And we've now got 45,000 or whatever. <laughs> so, so social media has has really helped um, in well, this I, day and age publicise our work. I bet you really missed the days you only had 500 on Twitter. <laughs> Do you know what? I think, look, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? <laughs> it's really helped publicise what we do. And yeah. it's really helped raise our profile, especially with the media. Um, yeah, true. And, you know, yeah. and amongst a generation who are social media savvy. But I think with the good comes the bad. And I think social media is obviously a platform that, that gives everybody a voice. Yes. Uh, it's unfortunate that some people have a voice and some people <laughs> choose to use their voice in a way that, let's just say, isn't the most constructive way possible. Look, uh, where uh, I'm more than happy today to explain to people what, what we do and, and you know, yeah. how to get involved, etc. Um, we are a voluntary organisation. And so um, communications and publicity uh, is always a challenge for us because we only can spend what members pay in membership fees, basically. That's all donations. We, yeah. That's it. We're not a commercial organisation and we don't receive any funding from anybody and we certainly don't receive any remuneration from Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. <laughs> um, so we're completely self-financing. Uh, we're a community benefit society. Uh, I'm just so, going to uh, reiterate yeah. something one second. I just yeah. think this is a point that really needs to be driven home. 
the, the trust gets nothing at all remuneration wise from Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. We get nothing at all. Yeah, just want to drive that home because there's a often a social media preconception that you guys sit up in a palace somewhere. I know. <laughs> I know. Drinking champagne. I, and and I actually I don't want that to sound like a, a whinge or a gripe or no, no, not at all. It that we don't get anything be. from the club. We're, we're an independent body. Yeah. Uh, we're a democratic, formally constituted, as I said, community benefit society. We're completely independent. Were we to take anything from the club, then it would be very difficult for us to do our job credibly and honestly when we are there to represent the interests of the fans solely and also the best interests of the club. So uh, it's just easier if there's a clean break there. So yes, to clarify, we don't get any tickets. We don't get any priority for any events, nothing like that. We get no money. We, yep. I think we even get biscuits at meetings anymore. Uh, I mean, times, uh, times are tough, Sam. I, I, times I tough. can, I can believe that. I can believe Daniel <laughs> Levy doesn't even spring for a jammy dodger. I can you believe know what? that. Yeah. We, we used to have like the whole Belgian biscuits. Maybe that was just a nod to when we used yeah. to have Musa and. You know, all the Belgian <laughs> I don't know. We yeah. had the Belgian biscuits. Maybe yeah. we got a discount on them. Uh, we used to yeah. have those. They were delicious. And then we even moved to like a cheese board. That wow. was sensational. But maybe that was, you know, preview to the cheese room. And since yeah. that went down the slide, um, the cheese, the cheese yeah. and biscuits have gone. Yeah, and we've don't got nothing bring up. Now. Don't bring up the cheese room. I'm still in mourning for my cheese room. Um, <laughs> I, I, there are still nights I wake up, you know, think, and I can't relieve it. Anyway, I know debris everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I ask everybody whenever they sort of come on, so this is sort of a, a circling off topic. A second is uh, just I ask them, you know, why Tottenham? You know, why why are you a Tottenham fan? Is it a family thing? Is it a location thing? Were were you uh, hit on the head as a child? You know, what <laughs> what brought you to our magnificently crazy club? I've actually got a story here. So Brilliant. This is, this is quite good. Just to clarify to the listeners, I've had no running order, so I don't know what Sam's going to ask me. No. So no. you have to excuse me if place. I'm thinking on my feet. However, I started... Now, I'm older than you, Sam. I know that you find that incredibly hard to believe with my youthful good looks. However, um, I was at primary school in 1981, and um, in 1981, the FA Cup final was happening. Yes. Uh, and we had a religious education teacher who was our year form form teacher, year teacher as well, yeah. called Mrs. Penniston. And I, I didn't really like her that much. Oh, I should um, caveat this and say that I was up in Leeds at this time, by the way. That's okay. where I was born, Yorkshire lass. Um, so um, she basically put two posters up in our year classroom, our form classroom. One was of Manchester City, and she adorned it with like a bridal veil and made it look really pretty. And mm -hmm. one was of Tottenham Hotspur that she put in funereal black. And basically she <laughs> said, um, Saturday is the biggest game in world football, which believe it or not, younger yeah. listeners, the FA Cup was in those days. It really uh, was. It's the FA Cup final and it's between these two teams and you're going to support Manchester City because you're Northern, right? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't like her. And so in my young head, I was like, right, screw you. I'm going to support the other team, which was Tottenham. And yep. then obviously it went to the replay and then we have the famous Ricky Villa goal. And yep. I was just hooked by that time. Secondary oh. school then had a navy blue and white uniform. So I managed to get away with wearing effectively a Spurs scarf for like seven years of school and no one ever noticed. So that was terrific. And then I got a membership and a season ticket as soon as I moved down here for work. So oh, I've right. had a season ticket oh. for 20 odd years now. But that's my starting journey. And actually, Sam, a lot of people that I know who aren't fortunate enough to have had this passed down from their mother, their father, yeah. their grandparents, whatever, that game was a seminal game for my generation. Yeah, that game no, was the was. game where an awful lot of fans that are my age now became hooked on the beauty and magic of Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, well, that goal alone is just exactly. something that you can watch. I, I must have seen that goal throughout my life a hundred times, or if not more. Tell me somebody's made a gif out of it. Oh, oh that would have yeah, been I haven't be. seen it, but I hope they have. Oh, yeah. there, there, there must be, there must be. But I, it's the commentary as well. 
it, it's okay. the it's still Ricky Villa. It's still Ricky Villa, and you can watch it again and again and again. It's phenomenal. But I mean, that that's kind of why people fall in love with football for start is moments like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I for me, um, I mean, it was a family thing. Despite my uh, Bristol tones of where <laughs> I'm from, my family originally from North London. Um, literally Jewish family owned a jewelry shop. You cannot get more stereotypical than that um, <laughs> in North London, and it was Tottenham through and through. So I literally had no choice. You know, <laughs> it, this is this is your club. This is who you will love, no matter where you are in the world. And for me, my my first ever game really uh, was a, I was taken by my older brothers to the FA Cup semi final, nineteen ninety one, against Arsenal at Wembley Stadium. And that was that was my first game. That was it. And oh, from that one. moment, that was it. Totally hooked. You you cannot you couldn't get me away from it. I loved it. No, I think that's fantastic. And and I I envy you actually because I I wish that it had been passed down my bloodline and <laughs> kind of like my family heritage because I, I love hearing all those stories. Yeah. Uh, my coach, uh, Martin Cloak, is also an author and he's written some great books, including yeah. one about Tottenham, including one with a gentleman called Alan Fisher. That's the people's history of Tottenham Hotspur. And that yeah. is a fantastic read. And just the the memories and the anecdotes and just hearing about people uh, explain the, the, the moments, as you said, that they became a Spurs fan or things that they remember from the, the 60s, the 50s. Yeah. It's incredible. Honestly, I love yeah. all that stuff. It's, it's one of my favourite things. There, there used to be, and again, I'm showing my age now, uh, but hopefully you can you can make me feel better. Um, <laughs> before the great social media blitz and everything, like with fanzines, yeah. uh, and I remember I remember Mesteg. My eyes have seen I've the seen glory. The glory, yeah. yeah. Bernie Kingsley was involved with, and Bernie yeah. was uh, a, a, a member of the trust. But he was a chair of the trust at one stage as well. So yeah, yeah. there's some overlapping paths there. But yes, yeah. I think we had a really good fanzine culture. Yeah, absolutely did. Yeah, 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 yeah they it, were it great. was great. I, I remember that. I, I just, and it was like like you said about some of the stories and stuff and the first-hand accounts of different things. Yeah. I, I could read that all day. It, it was yeah. great. It's amazing. Um, so, so going back then, so, so coming back to sort of like the trust, um, mm-hmm. I've, I've literally just got here a load of questions that me and uh, the fellow admins from our Facebook page, website, okay. etc. I've just worked through. And like I said, I'm not giving you any heads up on these. So <laughs> if, if any of them are like, Oh, can't say that. No, I can't answer that. That's fine. Don't worry. Oh, about man, it. No worries. We'll do our best. Um, well, yeah, it's fairly straightforward anyway. So the first thing is, um, and it's a very subjective question. In your time at the trust, what would you consider to be your biggest win to date in, in something you've been able to take forward, implement or get the club to implement? What was what would you consider to be the biggest I win of the trust? There's been quite a lot. I mean, let me go back um, 2013. Um, and this is a bit of a sensitive and controversial one. But yeah. um, our fans have been arrested for chanting the Y word at yeah. our stadium, the, C- the um, Metropolitan Police had um, taken a position of yeah. um, deeming it to be offensive regardless of context. Yep. Uh, and obviously we, we can't have our own fans being arrested for that. So no. uh, we helped, we were heavily involved while well, we put together the legal defence with a team of barristers uh, and with a defence lawyer. And we basically, the CPS dropped the charges. So uh, we represented all the fans. So that was, that's something that's, still lives on now and um, something that yeah. obviously is topical still. Um, but yeah, I'm, it is. I'm yeah. very proud of the work that we did there. I think um, on a national level, we obviously work very closely with all the other trusts and independent supporters associations up and down the country and uh, we're members of the Football Supporters Association. Um, we were one of the prime movers to push to the £30 away prize cap yeah, I remember. for, Premier, for yeah. Premier League games. Um, that I mean, the negotiations for that went on for about 18 months and I was actually one of the reps who was in the meetings with the Premier League. So um, we, we did that. I mean, at Tottenham, we've, we've managed to secure things like a young adult category for pricing. Yeah, um, exactly. And so that kind of thing. Uh, we've I mean, I've got a massive list of achievements, but it just <laughs> it literally just goes on and on like that. Well, so, no, um, but that's that's great. That's it's examples like that that I think people need to hear because, they, like I said a couple of times already, that there's this real misinterpretation in people's yeah, minds. Sure. That it's kind of like I think it's because it's a Premier League club. I think if you're a trust operating perhaps at League Two or League One, people have a lot more kind not, of yeah, you're right. And I, and I think what people tend to say is, oh well, you know, the the club were going to do that anyway. 
and yeah. so stop claiming the credit or, and if we don't get them to do something then it's like you lot are useless but yeah. it's stuff like you know we heavily lobby to keep Tottenham in London for those seasons well the season in a bit away from White yeah. Lane. Milton Keynes was a very real option which would have created so many problems for football yeah I don't, so, the, yeah. The, Mil- the Milton Keynes thing for me was a real uh, hot topic. Um, it I absolutely ob- was, yeah. I, I, I obviously remember, you know, the the, the stance that the trust took, um, yeah. and that that created absolute hell. Um, I, I was with you on that because, but I I kind of agreed with your point of view of like everyone has to make their own decision. Um, yeah, and yeah. and that was the thing that seemed to get lost in translation. <laughs> you know, we're we're doing this, but everyone else needs to make their own mind up. Seemed to become that you were screaming for everyone to boycott oh, it, which wasn't the case. Yeah, you mean that one league cup game? I, I'll just clarify. I was referring to um, Milton Keynes Stadium was one of the options to move yeah, all no, of our, our matches yeah. there for the period that we were playing at Wembley, not just that one game. So, yeah. and and actually, um, our objection to moving to Milton Keynes was less to do um, with uh, the the legacy of the AFC Wimbledon MK Don stuff uh, but obviously as a as a trust and the, their trust being impacted then obviously there is a bit of solidarity there but the issue was more that it's so far out of London and that we wouldn't have been able to get any of our members in there there's only like a 30,000 seat stadium or whatever so yeah. there wouldn't be even enough room for our members and for us it, it wasn't acceptable that um, top, so few Tottenham fans would have been able to see their team play also we do believe that you know the the community side of it and the legacy side of things and the fact that we are a North London club and that we hadn't ever played a competitive home match more than 200 yards from the lamppost where the club was formed yeah. meant something. Do you know no, what I mean? I agree, yeah. We, were, yeah. we were a North London club. We didn't particularly want to be moving to Milton Keynes. So anyway, that that was that. But we, we, we lobby on things like that. Um, we also do a, an awful lot of casework, individual casework, um, be that with people who have had issues... Um, with um, stewarding decisions or they're facing bans for ticketing misdemeanors or whatever. So yeah. we, we, we do an awful lot of individual casework that by its very nature, we can't really talk about. But no. that is an important aspect of our work. That, uh, that whole side of things is, is quite important. And for example, another thing that we've just done is managed to work with the club um, to finally publish a tariff for sanctions and banning policy, basically. So We've been pushing them to, to publish a tariff on that for many years, and, and they yeah. finally agreed to do that. So it's, it's kind of, a lot of the stuff isn't very glamorous. It's not like, wow, you guys did this, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite work-a-day, but it's important. It's important stuff, because it all ensures that as fans, uh, our, the, the treatment of, of us is as best as it possibly can be, and that you know the, the club are uh, recognising and considering us in the work that they do. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a kind of holding to account, really. Um, yeah. Just just from my point of view, and, and that's not in a kind of aggressive way at all, but just in a if you don't have somebody doing that, it's you know the same as like a, any sort of political system. If you've got one party that can just do whatever they want, mm-hmm. then that's that's not a no, that's a dictatorship. That's not a democracy. That's not anything. And really, exactly. football clubs are nothing without the fans. Um, you know, some of them forget it sometimes, but it's nice that they're reminded. They need to be nudged, and <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I think that's important. Absolutely. No, I, I I don't disagree with you there, Sam. Um, I think that there needs to be a realism as to how much, as particularly a group of volunteer fans, yeah. can influence a private business. Um, <laughs> but I do agree with you. I mean, I'll just again just give a bit more background information on this the club um has to meet with its recognized fan group um at least twice a year that's under something called structured dialogue which is a form of engagement with the premier league so that's a recommendation from the premier league that they have to meet meet with a recognized fan group they don't however have to listen to anything that we say no (laughs) so it's our job to make our case as articulately and as passionately and often as pragmatically and reasonably as we possibly can yeah so that's kind of that Yes. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it it does always sort of make me laugh when you guys must see this so much. You, whenever you're arranging the meeting to meet with the board, you will put out there to yeah. the members, and you'll say to anybody, you know, if you want to send the questions in, you want to, you want to hear us ask, you know, email it. Um, you you must see some very interesting things that that people want you to scream across a table, <laughs> which are just <laughs> unrealistic. 
Yeah, no, we do. But look, I think that's fine. What we do with those questions is I will collate all of them and put them into a big document. I'll separate them by topic. There's normally clear themes that are coming out there anyway. Yeah. Um, put them all. I'll anonymise them. So nobody needs to be embarrassed. Uh, they're all sent in anonymously and they go around um, the board at Tottenham. And I know that Daniel Levy, for example, does read them because he's turned up with a printout where he scribbled notes all over them. So that's kind of funny. But he does take, <laughs> the, time, he does take the time to read them, which is the most important thing. Um, yeah. I think that uh, Daniel probably thinks that we represent a small sliver of the fan base. Uh, yeah. And he would probably turn that as being the more militant end of the, yeah. Uh, fan base which is quite funny because most of the criticism that we get on social media is for not being anywhere near militant yeah. enough so yeah. there's a broad spectrum going on here so i mean look we, we'll we'll definitely put all those questions before them in written form we yeah. only have a finite amount of time in each of the board meetings with them so we can't possibly ask everything and as you said yeah. some of them that was pointless <laughs> asking they're not going to answer or they're not no. going to take seriously no. so we need to try and take the essence of what the fan base as a whole and our members as a whole want us to ask what they deem to be important at that moment in time but then frame it in as constructive and an, as open a way as possible to encourage as full a response as possible well, but we but we can't be responsible for how they respond and i no. think people tend to get a bit angry about that it's like well you asked a question but they didn't answer it in the way i wanted them to answer it well <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I, i've seen a lot of that um oh. so like, like we said about social media you know yeah whenever you guys publish it it's always something i sit down and i'll read um and then by the time i finish reading it perhaps i'm not the quickest reader in the world by the time i get back to social media people have you know copied and pasted one line out of context and are ready to riot um so yeah, yeah it's 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 an interesting. Well, I mean, it's a very interesting thing. Social media, <laughs> full stop. But um, sticking sticking to the kind of like questions, and I mean, we just talked about the kind of wins for the trust, mm. and, and there are multiple, which is great. And and actually, actually, Sam, there's a whole list on the homepage of our website. So there if is. really is that interested, they can go and look at all our achievements at, um, at www.thsdofficial.com. Oh, look at that! It's like you've done this before. Hey. Um. What would you say then on the flip side of this, if there anything that you and the trust have really campaigned for and you've not been able to achieve this really yep. disappointed you? Season ticket pricing. Oh, yeah, don't get me started on that. I don't think that's <laughs> that all. No. Uh, I mean, we, we, you're either, your listeners are either going to believe me on this or not, but ticket pricing for me is the it's the access point for, for anyone who wants to engage with their club. Yeah. We can't have fans being priced out. And, and yeah. I feel really passionately about that. Uh, obviously, we, we push for uh, the concessions policy as well. We push for the young adult category. So there have been some small wins along the way. And until we moved to Wembley, uh, we had secured a freeze for four years on season ticket yeah. pricing. So that, that have, and also we managed to move the club to an accessible pricing policy for domestic cup games. So they yeah. normally stay out of categorization, which is an agreement they have with us. Um, and we're pleased to see that they have kept to that this season. Um, you know, there's always room for improvement, but yeah. there we have it. But season ticket pricing, um, we explained at length, at length how important it was uh, not only um, for renewal rates, but also to make sure that, you, that your demographic was right in the stadium, in the right areas. And it's no secret that we think we price, we think they price it too high. There are too many yeah. price points for a start. It's super confusing where people are sitting. Sticking that 1882 band of premium light seats through the heart of the South Stand with absolutely no consultation with us. The first yeah. we heard about that, and please bear in mind, we've been talking to them for about three years about this. And they never thought to mention it. So that is still a bone of contention as far as we're concerned. But um, I have to say that we, we, hand on heart, we couldn't have done any more. But I'm gutted about that pricing structure because for me, it is just too high. We, we bang the drum for what we call a stretch pricing policy, which is, look, with, with all due respect, if you're buying a premium seat in the new stadium or you're buying one of those really top end experiences where yeah. you're, you know, eating at Ruon 5 or whatever it is, and, you know, <laughs> you're, you're in the Tunnel Club or the yeah. H Club or whatever else. Yeah. I, excuse my French, don't give a shit how much they charge them because obviously yeah. it's either a charge back to your company or you're, you're absolutely minted. Yeah. What I'm bothered about is the access point 
for the people who genuine, genuinely don't have that much dosh and who Tottenham is taking up too much of their disposable income. Yeah. Because we're all addicted, we're all hooked, we feel passionately about the club. It's, giving up a season ticket is an absolutely traumatic experience oh, that anybody who isn't a football fan will never understand. Oh, and I agree. So we will overstretch ourselves, we'll go for more credit, we'll try and do anything that we can to keep that connection with our club because it means so much to us. And I don't want to see people get into debt over this. And I don't want to have to read literally heartbreaking emails from people who after 30 years, 25 years, have had to give up their season ticket because they absolutely can't afford it anymore. So that yeah. first season when they announced the pricing was absolutely harrowing for us because yeah. we're reading all this. And I was sat at my desk in tears. And I know that might make me sound like I'm completely soppy. <laughs> but it no, matters no, to not me. At all. It absolutely matters to me. And yeah. I still think that they have built a massive rod for their own back with their season ticket pricing policy. Because people now expect results. Yeah. And we're not getting them at the moment. And we haven't had them for quite a while. And if we're not in the Champions League, et cetera, et cetera, and we're paying top dollar, then you have got a far less forgiving audience, basically. Oh, don't you? And you can sense that in the stadium. Like, yes, you can. I mean, I've only, I've only been fortunate enough to go a couple of times myself to the new stadium. And both occasions, uh, I mean, I've got other friends. Uh, Matt, who's my co-host, is a better example. Matt's a season ticket holder. Um, he was able to get one uh, when the club moved to Wembley, and obviously that transferred to him being able to get one in the new stadium. Y yeah. You only got to listen to how passionate he was on those episodes about being able to get one. You know, it's like yeah. he's got he's got two children and his season ticket. You know, they're the loves of his life. <laughs> you could just hear no, Honestly, and I, this is where I... We really do try to um, convey the emotion to the, yeah. to the board at Tottenham because this is where you have the business side coming in against the fans. Well, well that's what I was going to say because the, yeah. the reaction you always feel like is their view is if this customer won't pay, the next customer will. And that really hurts as fans because yeah. it feels like we give you all this love. You know, Forget money for a second. We give you all this love all of our time. And we are just disposable. And and that, that's a really painful realisation because yeah. just, just to finish what I was saying about Matt mm. is Matt's got that season ticket. And if you go back to listen to the shows, we mentioned it recently. Matt at the moment is in real consideration about giving up his ticket. Mm. He's, he's renewing it for next year. He said that. But he is, you know, for, there's no entertainment currently. You know, yeah. you, we've been going. There's no real entertainment. And the price is very, very high. It's super high. And and it and it puts you in these positions. And he is broken up about it. There, there's no two ways of putting it. No. And for you to talk about people who have had the ticket for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you know, literally man and boy have gone to mm -hmm. White Hart Lane, now in the new stadium. I, I, I can't imagine how hurt it must feel to be that, uh, you know, like I said, you've given all that love, all that time, all that money. Exactly right. And, and, yeah. and it's having a bigger effect as well, because what's happening is people, uh, first of all, overstretching themselves to buy a season ticket in the first place. Yeah. I mean, there is the V12 finance option where you can spread it over several months. Um, yeah. But I appreciate you've got to have a credit check for that and everything else. So, yeah. it's, you know, not, nothing's ever ideal, but it may be an option for some listeners. Um, but then they're posting on exchange and selling the ticket on and taking that money back. Yeah. Not because they can't necessarily make the gains, but because it's a decision that they have to make financially yeah. in order to keep. And then that really does create issues with churn within the stands, churn within the stadium, churn that then affects your atmosphere. And then that's a whole other can of worms. So yep. there are major knock-on effects. I, I do. I, I strongly advise Tottenham to really value their. And again, um, I don't want to insult anybody, but we had eighteen and a half thousand original long-term season ticket holders, and yeah. then we extended that to forty-two thousand. Yeah, massive general yeah. admissions. So a big expansion during that season at Wembley, and it was around that time I was having that, the conversation with the board, and I, I strongly advise them to really nurture 
and hold on to those original 18 and a half thousand season ticket holders because they were the ones who at that stage had that learner behavior it was a habit for them it, it literally uh, it was ingrained and embedded into their very you know fiber and being and yeah. they were the people that would stick with you through thick and thin now that is not trying to install any of the new season ticket holders no at not the time true. i had this conversation we didn't know anything about that demographic all we would know is that they bought a season ticket that season or the season before so you don't have as much of a routine in there and they hadn't necessarily sat through the crap times the <laughs> <laughs> longer season ticket holders had i genuinely don't know if any of that landed with them i genuinely don't and that that is yeah it's it's, it's a big regret that um, you... we didn't manage to make any more movement on that this kind of goes into the next question we've got written down which is do you feel the trust's voice is heard and i'm guessing from what you're saying is sometimes you feel like yes but other times really no yeah i mean i think the club is a is a complex organization as well it's not you're not just talking to one person remember so no we we may meet with the board directors um, three times a year, but we're in dialogue with deep departmental heads and with senior executives there every single day. So you will always find that you've got people who will back what, what you're trying to do within the organisation and then people who don't. So it's never yeah. that clear cut. At the end of the day, we have to win the board over because they're the people who make all the policy decisions. Yeah. So you may well have a departmental head who will go in and advocate what you're saying as a trust but at the end of the day, it's the board who makes that policy decision. Um, and that's a difficult nut to, a nut to crack, as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, very much so, yeah. They're running, they're running the football club as well. And I think over the past seven years, um, the knowledge level um, that we have has obviously increased. Um, we do take our roles incredibly seriously. We put an awful lot of time and effort in to be across detail and to understand as much as possible the challenges that they face. Um, as directors of a football club but yeah. with the best will in the world we're not doing that job so there will be elements um, that are either commercially sensitive that they can't share with us or there will be part of their strategic and business plans that we're unaware of and what we're asking for would be a direct contradiction or would of course, come yeah. against what yeah. they're planning on doing which means we can't it's no fault of our own, no fault of their own. But it doesn't always work. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so, no, and, and that's that's a kind of. I mean, that's a business reality. You know, that's yeah. that's just one of those things. And that that is the thing I think possibly with football it is such a struggle because the reality is it's a massive, massive, multi-billion-pound business, and yet we as fans still think of it as our our local club you know this you know we think of that magnificent stadium as our clubhouse <laughs> we we think of that team is is our local team and and so it's very difficult sometimes to to sort of wrap your head around oh you know what do you mean you won't answer this or what do you mean you won't do this because you're speaking as a fan purely from this passionate love point of view yeah um so, yeah, I mean, I, I always think whenever I read through those things, uh, the, the minutes of the meetings you guys have, I always think you do a phenomenal job basically being like a filter, you know, because yeah. I, I send you guys questions sometimes and I do see them get asked, which I'm always thankful for. But I, I know that when I've sort of sent them to you, they're in this kind of love, you know, the passionate way. And then yeah, they're put into this this sensible, you know, but kind of engaging way. Yeah, and I think it's our job to make the questions, as I said before, as as, as open as possible, as constructive as possible, yeah. but maintain that passion. Because at the end of the day, we are we are also fans. Yeah. You know, our, 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 we we might be directors. We are directors of the trust, but we're we're fans. That's why we're there. So yeah. that's quite simple for us. Oh, it's, I find it quite easy to convey the emotion because it's genuine. It's heartfelt. It's only if you're trying to put something on or something fake that you have an issue with it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I should also cool. say that um, one of the other things that we're really pleased with, and this is an example of the, the club listening, uh, we lobbied strongly for them to postpone the opening of the season ticket renewal date this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, we were really very pleased that they, they came to that decision. Uh, it was the right thing to do. When yeah, got five there. games still hanging in the air, five home games still yeah. hanging in the air from this current season. And um, I mean, I've, I've said on another podcast, I, I, I mean, we think it's inconceivable that none of our 
50,000 season ticket holders are going to be directly affected by the coronavirus, whether that's no, they're sick themselves, they're grieving for a loved one, they've lost their job, that you know, they're facing a new economic reality. I mean, who knows what the economic reality is going to be? And it just felt would have been completely wrong to have opened up that window. And uh, look, that wasn't an easy decision for them. No. And, and I genuinely don't think that was them trying to be cold, cold headed and have their, you know, their, their business hat on. I they have they've got to bring money in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we're exactly, in a good situation because we're very well run financially, but we're in a bad situation because we've got all this debt. Yeah. So, yeah. you it's know, true. everything's yeah. a, business, a business decision. But I, I thought that they handled that well and we'd encourage them to show some leadership and to show um, their crisis management skills. And I think that so far, the communications they've put out, not just about the season ticket renewal postponement. Oh, I agree. Yeah, but the, fi I, the financial statement as well. Yeah, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was done in a very, very smart way. A really very, good tone uh, of voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I exactly. agree. It was a very good tone um, because they had to do it. And But the... You know the reality of <laughs> publishing that on that particular day must have been very difficult. So yeah, no, I, I thought I thought they did a good job with that. Um, Meeting. So then, so the next thing is, uh, and this possibly again already ties in, but how do you feel? I mean, you've sat in several meetings, I'm sure. How do you feel the board sees the trust? How do you feel they feel you're a bit of a nuisance that they got to come and sit down <laughs> with you, or, or do you feel that they do actually find it constructive, and or do you think it changes perhaps meeting by meeting? Ah, uh, look, um, I think initially when we, when certainly when I first came onto the board, so we're going like six, seven years ago now. Yeah, uh, there was. Um, um, Mistrust is the wrong word. A bit of a, a, a cautious approach yeah. to um, us and what we were trying to do and what we were all about as a fan group. Yeah. And you know what? I think a part of me is like, I absolutely respect that. You know, you're yeah. busy people, you're powerful people as well. And why would you want to waste your time with a bunch of charlatans who can't be bothered to do their research, their homework, have no credibility yeah. uh, and aren't constituted in a way where they are accountable yeah. for their actions which we absolutely are so i think it was a a kind of you know dipping your toes in the water from their point of view initially and yeah. we had to convince them that we are a credible organization you know that that we are formally constituted that we have accounts registered with the fca that we are affiliate members of all the footballing bodies do you know what i mean we had to yeah. prove ourselves in order to be able to get through that door in the first place and yeah. I think I'm really actually very proud of all, we've got a 10 person board and I'm very proud of all of them now because yeah. all of them have maneuvered us into a position where we can ask for meetings with the chairman. We can ask for meetings with the executive director. We can ask for meetings with the head of ticketing and they will they will give us those meetings. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they appreciate our point of view um, because we're also end users of what they're selling as well. So there's a bit yeah. of a focus group element. But there's also a bit of a strategic and policy making element there as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're discussing the ticketing at the moment, a way to clamp down on passing on or resale of away tickets, whether that's in Europe or domestically. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hot topic. And, and yeah. how to harness technology um, that will help with some innovative solutions there. So I've been talking with ticketing. I'll feed them some ideas around the innovative solutions and they'll go away and look at it. And then, you know, we also often um, proof their copy for stuff that goes out, as we said, around season ticket renewals or around ticket exchange or ticket share or something that's going to be fan-facing and, and take a lot of traffic, they'll send it over to us and go, guys, does this make sense? What have we missed? What, what else would you put in there? So we, we'll do that kind of work with them as well, alongside well, well, them. Well, that, that, that shows a real element of trust. Yeah, it? no, we've, we've got to a really good position with them. I think yeah. that they, I mean, look, Again, you can say, oh, well, she would say that because she co-chairs the organisation. But <laughs> I, I, I'm one of three Premier League reps at national level on the Football Supporters Association. And I was also a fan rep on FA Council while yeah. we played at Wembley. So I've done an awful lot of work outside of this trust uh, at, at a national level. Um, we also work with Football Supporters Europe at an international level. And genuinely, we are one of the most well-organised and, uh, you know, one of the most determined trusts in the entire country. Uh, yeah. And I say that from a good place, even though I do realise it sounds massively partial. Um, oh, no, no, I'm with we, you. 
you can have a look on our website. We try to communicate every month with a, a monthly newsletter that explains in great detail what we've been doing so that we're accountable to our members. We take a mandate for our members. We run surveys. We run face-to-face -face events. Uh, you know, we, we produce a 5,000-word annual report which summarises everything that we're doing over the year. You know, we, we work in networks with members of parliament. Um, you know, we, we as I said, we work with the FA. We work with the Premier League. We, we have made it our business to have a, a really strong network and to be very well connected there so we can often come at issues from a fan point of view but an informed fan point of view where the club will come at it from an informed obviously you know football club point of view so another example there would be um uefa um, yeah. as, as fans we're certainly not satisfied uh, with the treatment that we get when we travel abroad we no. don't think that the stadia is up to scratch we don't think that local police should be allowed to assault our fans uh, and their yeah. stewards should be allowed to join in uh, with, you know, uh, no comeback at all. Yeah. Um, and the club agree. So there's joint work that we'll do around that. So we, we do work on things together. I think that we're all grown up enough now to know that we can be having a row over here about yeah. one issue that we're furious about with them, but we'll mm. be working constructively on a number of other work streams at any one given time, if well, that makes I, sense. I, it does make sense. And I think that's actually the very definition of a very good working relationship. Yeah. Um, because if you don't have that, you know, if, if one issue blows up everything else, then, yeah. you know, that that's the whole thing falls down. Of course. Of um, course. I uh, I went to our Facebook page. We've got over 50,000 Spurs fans on our Facebook page, which is really dangerous. Um, <laughs> but at the moment, anyway, seriously, I, I could post anything at the moment and the responses would just be between homicidal and suicidal. It's insane. Yeah. But uh, basically, I did put a post out. I was going to be talking to a, a member of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. And did anyone have anything they'd like to ask you? So if you don't mind, I have a yeah, few from our Facebook page. Now, um, <clears throat> apologies to those who have asked the questions. I'm going to polish these a little bit. Um, a gentleman called Mark Corder says, um, <clears throat> obviously, in your opinion, do you feel that Daniel Levy and the board that you meet with actually ever have a true sense of the disappointment fans are feeling? You know, especially at the moment. I know you were met with them uh, about a month ago now. Um, do you feel that they actually have a sense of that or do you feel like they're above it and they only feel it's a minority? That's a difficult one. We have a bit of a joke here um, that basically their, their post bag's bigger than ours. So whenever we take mail from fans who are disappointed, frustrated, yeah. uh, feel let down, whatever else, they've had a gazillion times more emails saying, you're doing a great job. Keep going. <laughs> we appreciate you can you have you've had such bad luck with injuries and you know you're yeah. doing a fantastic look at the beautiful stadium. You're doing an amazing job. And that is really grating because we Yeah, really that, 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 would, that would drive yeah. me insane. <laughs> and this is where I come back to the point that I think that certain members of the board think that we only represent a small minority of Spurs fans. And that so what will tend to happen is people will write to us and they'll say, can you get in touch with the club and tell them this or ask them this? Yeah. Uh, we're always willing to help. But if I pick up the email, I tend to, well, I think people might not always react in the right way, but I tend to reply back and say, do you know what? Why don't you send that in to, and then give them an email address yeah. and copy it in? Because the more people who write to them yeah. and don't just come through us as a conduit, the more credibility our positions have. Does that make sense? No, so it makes we need sense. we yeah. need you guys and your fifty thousand Facebook members yeah. to write in and go. You know what? I'm actually really pissed off at the moment. Yeah. So then when we go into a meeting and say you do realise that there's a disconnect between your your fan base and you at the moment, they won't go. No, there isn't a disconnect, Cat. You're talking rubbish. Uh, you know, we, we get a thousand emails a day saying how pleased everybody is with everything, yeah. and, and you're hitting a brick wall. So, I, I agree. And it comes back to that whole, you know, if that person can't pay, the next person will feeling just, you know, actually, you, feel like you know what, actually, <clears throat> and, and, but to be fair to them, maybe we do represent a certain demographic of our fan base because you, you need to care enough to become a member of a trust and you need true. to feel motivated yeah. enough and you need to believe that you're more than just a number or that you should be more than just a number. We're essentially a union. So yeah. if you're the kind yeah. of person that wants to stick up for yourself and fight for your rights, you're going to join us. But yeah. that is a niche position to take, uh, especially in a football environment when, as you said, it's a bunch of volunteers against a private business. The, I think we do have 
a section of the fan base who are pretty affluent and pretty apathetic. Uh, and I'm sure that they're not hammering the doors down saying no. that they're annoyed at this moment in time because their relationship with the club is completely different to our relationship with the club. I agree. Does, does that make sense? No, it does. And and I see that demonstrated on a regular basis. Um, yeah. You know, thing, things that drive me insane, uh, a fellow fan who I get on well with will just look at me like, why are you getting wound up about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. And look, you know what? I'll be really clear. There isn't a right and there isn't a wrong way to support your club. No, no, no. Of but course, pe- no. People, people react differently. People care about things differently. And, you know, all I would say to your listeners is that if you're with me and you think that, fans are the lifeblood of our club and yeah. that our owners are just you know the current custodians yeah. and that you believe that fans should have an influence at the very top of the game then by all means come and join us because you know we're stronger yeah. stronger together i agree um the next one's from uh, paul matthews paul matthews and this one may be difficult so you may have to say go away paul uh <laughs> he basically is asking your opinion as the as the trust so not you personally this is as the mm-hmm. trust do you have faith in the current board and leadership? <laughs> yeah, as the trust, one hundred percent. Yeah, I can't. I can't say. I can't say no, can I? No. I mean, we we had an interesting discussion um, at the start of our last board to board meeting, which again is on our website. Um, we titled the section Enoch at twenty because it's their twentieth yeah. season in charge next yeah, season, no. and I so know, we took I we took that yeah, interesting. Yeah, we took a step back and to ask what they thought they'd achieved. So yeah. I think, look, I as a trust, our position is, you know, we're often contacted by people who uh, would like a change at the top uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, maybe be starting up a couple of campaigns or whatever. And and obviously Edic Out is a hashtag and whatever oh, on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. Uh, as a trust, we've always got to question, if you want somebody out, who do you want in? Yeah. Because you can't, we can't call for no owners. That would be a complete dereliction of our duty. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty unlikely that we're going to call for someone out without knowing who will come in. And of course, you can't control who comes in ever. No, I, so I, I mean, think you have to look at it, break it down. I think from a business point of view, phenomenal performance. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal performance. So I think they said they put in was it 1.6 billion in infrastructure in the stadium yeah. and the training facility at Hotspur Way and et cetera, et cetera. That side of it and the business side of things, which will stand us in good stead, hopefully, when we don't know what's coming at the end of the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. Um, I think we shouldn't take lightly. I think as as a business, they absolutely have smashed it out of the park. But I think that the reason that people are not 100% on board with that is the football side of things, which is where you get that friction. Which is, is, you know, we support a football club, not a a balance sheet. Exactly. And I, I think fans are perfectly within their rights to say, we've got a shiny new stadium, but we've got an empty trophy cabinet, mate. Yeah, and it is true. one trophy in your entire tenure. Is that is that ambition? Is that well, what do you say about that? So I, I, yeah. look, I'm very sympathetic, but I, I think that's it's probably there's a lot of things to consider in that question. There's probably too much for me to go into detail right no, right I now agree. and break it all down. Um, but look, I, I yeah, I hope I hope I haven't tried to dodge that. No, <laughs> no, I, I like that. I think you should run for politics. Um, <laughs> next one is from Liam Hickey, who says. Yeah. Um, what do you think, and this is asking for your opinion here, what do you okay. think is more important at this time, winning trophies or playing the Tottenham way? Oh, that's a really tough one. Why can't we have both? Well, Isn't that why, the truth? Well, yeah, exactly, because that is the famous quote. It's not just about winning, it, it's winning in style. Yeah. You know, I support at Tottenham because of the style of play, because of the DNA, because of, you know, the Tottenham tradition, and that is vastly important to me. And I don't want to be one of these people who doesn't care how we perform, we just want to win. However, yeah. with the appointment of Mourinho, it does look like we've gone down <laughs> that road, or supposedly going down that road. It's not about the style of play. It's about the winning with him. And I think, fine, if we've, if we've tried something for many years and not been successful, then maybe have a, a little sojourn into something different. But yeah. I expect an absolutely overflowing trophy cabinet at the end of it. Thanks. Uh, you, you, you and I both went through the George Graham years. Yes. And I, I don't know if you feel the same as me, which is we did lift the trophy under George Graham. Mm-hmm. 
but I I went to more games during that era than I've been to any other time as a Tottenham fan, just because of my geography. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a friend who was a season ticket holder at that time, and lo and surprise, tickets were available every game. Um, yeah. So I went a lot, and it was awful. Even when we won, we even never sang won. his name, did we? We never sang uh, it. Uh, but it was just even when we won the game, I'd come away thinking oh, no, it's awful. that was that you was feel so empty, bad. Don't you? you just feel empty. Yeah, I and, and us. I, 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 I do worry that just in this day and age, it's all about instant gratification, isn't it? It's, it is about that. But look, yes. at the end of the day, a football fan wants success for their club, and, yeah. and, and I, I can't criticize somebody for for having had enough now and saying, "Come on." It's 12 years since we even won a League Cup. Yeah, no, I agree. Been, but we have been so close as well. That's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Uh, another one for your your opinion. Yeah. Simon okay. Whiteman asks, if if Daniel Levy suddenly woke up tomorrow and Joe Lewis has sent him an email saying, do you know what? Let's go and win some stuff. Here's 500 million to spend on players. <laughs> um, and, and everyone's just started laughing, by the way. So I'll wait for them to finish laughing. Would you like to see him spend that money on established winners or on young talent to bring through? I think you've got to mix it up, haven't you? I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think you can have a team completely made up of youth, and I don't think you can have a team completely made up of experience. But I think we've definitely lacked experience in certain areas, and, yeah. and I, I would 100% mix it up. I know in the recent meeting with the club, um, Daniel Levy was uh, clear to say that Jose Mourinho uh, wanted to make superstars rather than buy superstars, and that fitted into their into their policy. Yeah, quite that, handy, that. But there you go, quite handy. Yeah, that... that um... Yeah, that that, that was <laughs> that, that was one of those lines that uh, mm. kind of made me like my guts hurt a little bit when I read that. Because... I know. Well, it's a massive departure from how it would normally work. So if we do get a transfer window, let's let's mm. see let's see what happens. So, but to answer that question, a mixture of both. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, I I also, I mean, look, the Gareth Bale thing. I, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not convinced that he it would have been he was the right player for us or we would have been the right choice for him at this stage. But just to get somebody who is an absolute box office, yeah. you know, like when we signed Van der Vaart, I was so excited about you that. And me both. absolutely yeah. blindsided me. Yeah. I was sat on the back of a bus uh, coming up um, Wimbledon Common uh, <laughs> from Putney, yeah. and I nearly fell off the seat of the bus. I was yeah. so shocked. And it was amazing. And we need, I just feel that we need something like that to lift us all again. Yeah, uh, no, that's, I, yeah I agree. I agree I, completely. I love watching players that we brought through ourselves and all the one of our own stuff is amazing. But, yeah. you you know, it's also good to have spank, sprinkle a bit of stardust occasionally and just have somebody that you're, everyone's got the name on the back of the shirt and there's a total buzz. And, and I can't think the last person apart from Van der Vaart that, 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 Applied to really. Nope, I agree with you. Um, now the last one from the fans here uh, again, and I think this is geared towards your opinion as the trust. Okay. Um, and it, it's very topical at the moment. Uh, Marty Oss says, "Why do you feel that Spurs have sat and watched neighbours Barnet go through the financial problems that they're currently in? You know, sixty people have lost their jobs." Uh, Marty says, "I feel absolutely disgusted that a Premier League club's allowing this to happen." As a trust, is this something that you're sort of looking at as well, or is this something that is just the way things you, are? Yeah, no, I haven't had a discussion with the club about that, so I wouldn't want to put words in their mouths. It would be something no. that would be ha- happened and handled at national level by the Football Supporters Association. They would be the people to direct that question to. Um, yeah. I will say that obviously proximity is why you're asking if Tottenham can support. Um, obviously, all other clubs should be asked that question. Well, as well. I, I think um, I think there's also the tie-in with obviously yeah. the Tottenham women play. Yeah, at the yeah. Stadium. Of course, I, I, I understand that. Um, I, was, I was also going to say, I think that we forget that the financial reality which we're facing now will also impact on our own club as well. And I think that fans need to be quite careful if they're asking for a full refund on last year's season ticket. They want their cashback released. They want all of the club's um, match day staff to be continue to be paid. Yeah. Plus, they want, plus they want they new want signings. The feed, yeah. They want the feed banks to be supported. They want Barnet to be saved. That literally there is a pot. There is a finite pot of money here. And I just think we, as lovely as that would be, we do need to be a bit realistic. But as I said, if, if whoever asked that question, 
wants to send a question into the trust, it's yep. info at thstofficial.com. I am more than happy to pass that on to the club and let them answer because I haven't had a discussion with them about it. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to uh, do them a disservice by putting words into their mouth nope. about something perfect. that I'm not, I'm not clear on. Absolutely perfect. Right. So to finish up then, just yeah. a couple of couple of easy ones from me, <laughs> he says. <laughs> How did you feel about Pochettino leaving? This is you personally, not as the trust, just you as a fan. How did you okay. feel about that? Um, I was really devastated, shocked. Yeah. First. Uh, we didn't get any heads up and we have spoken to him about this in the past and, and um, since then. And this is not us saying we're important and we deserve, you know, an no. inside track or preferential treatment. But the, the reality is that as soon as that news breaks, because of what we do and because of our relationship, yeah, you, you were inundated. Our, our phones are just going to ring off the hook and it's, it's not great for us or for the club if we are completely unprepared for international and national media it's just not ideal yeah. um they have said that they wouldn't do it any differently next time so it looks like we'll be <laughs> on the hoof again so there we go um so yeah, i'm not shock, surprised the shock was the first thing um we had been in a meeting with them a couple of weeks before that actually yeah. and, and we hadn't had anybody write to us and say they wanted him to go so like no, no members had been in touch saying look there was obviously people were disappointed and people were concerned with the way the results had been going yeah. everybody across the board felt that but we yeah. hadn't actually had anybody write to us going sack him sack him sack him so no. we did convey that to the board and the, the the response we got at that point was we're holding our nerve we're holding our nerve it's the first rocky patch we'll, we'll, we'll hold our nerve and we thought that was the right thing to do and we hadn't yeah. had an update since then so when he was sacked it was like wow so yeah. shock was the first and then I was really very upset about it because I'd invested an awful lot of time money passion emotion of myself into that whole Pochettino project that yep. journey that had started you know uh, five years previously and that had taken in some wonderful stops on its uh, on its route, hadn't it? Whether it was yeah. you know the Leicester season or or Madrid last summer or whatever, it had been yeah. a, a magical journey. And the connection that I'd felt with him and yep. with that team um, is something that I haven't felt before. No, I completely ever. agree. Yep. So agree. I I was mourning for that. I felt that. Yeah something that was tremendously important to me had just been taken away and yeah. then I think within 12 hours they'd appointed Mourinho yeah and there it, just it, wasn't anywhere near enough time to process what was happening no. it is, uh, I, yeah. I think I, I said on our podcast afterwards it's kind of like as, as a business what they did in making the decision and acting on it quickly bringing in a replacement with a CV like they have you, you just got to stand back and say okay if you're going to make that decision You've done it sharp, fast. Someone else has come in of the highest caliber. You can applaud that. Again, as a fan, <clears throat> I was devastated. And seeing Jose hold our shirt the next day, I, yeah, I was I, I wanted to scream at that. Which is which is ridiculous, but I was so mad. No, I'm with you. And look, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Sam. And I think that yes, um the club is going to make a decision at the end of the day based on results and the results yeah. weren't good enough. And I mean, they've thrown back a 23% home win ratio in our faces yeah. enough time since then. So, you know, I can't argue about the actual results. Um, obviously I, I presume, well, look, if we want to get really deep, we can go back to the two transfer windows where we didn't sign anybody. And, yeah, and you can have a massive argument about whether he was let down by the board and blah, blah, yeah. or whether he didn't want to be there at the end or he'd lost the dressing room. Or it, Look, it's all yeah. conjecture because none of, none of us were actually there. But the fact is that once you've, you've ended that project and you've appointed a new manager, I would have liked to have seen the club communicate more with their fan base to assure them and reassure them what they'd learned from that last regime, yeah. how they were now approaching this one, what was different in terms of retention and recruitment, you know, and to, just to reassure us we weren't going to be in the same position in two years' time, three years' yeah. time. This, there had to be a plan here and it had to be strategic and it had to be moving in the right direction and and i don't think that they covered that off at all so that well, was another issue no I, I don't think they have but at the same time i also don't think they like doing that because they no, feel they like don't. they're hanging themselves yeah, you know absolutely, the same absolutely as anything right. absolutely um right. 
so yeah so the so it was a very very difficult time it was i mean yeah it was for all of us i, I think yeah. there was a real shock even even people oh i oh i felt uh you know we on our like i said we got 50 odd thousand people on facebook so we saw a lot of i think it's time for him to go even when he went those people were in a state of shock like I thought maybe you should go, but I didn't, you know, I wouldn't really prepared for it when it happened. So um, speaking of one, departures. One, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually found found and still find it quite distasteful. The amount of retrofitting that's gone on about Pochettino's time at our club, because mm. I think fans either are deliberately uh, wiping out the great moments that we had because there was no silverware um, or people had been disingenuous. And I I found that quite difficult actually, because yes, he didn't win anything tangible with us, but by God, did we have an amazing journey? And did he lift us to another level? Yes, he absolutely did. And I just feel that we should always be respectful for that. And the fact that he managed us for the best part of two seasons with no home stadium uh, and it took us all the way to a Champions League final. Admittedly, that final was probably one of the most painful moments, you know, experiences of all of our life. But I'd say anyway, that's just my little whinge. Just you know, be kinder. It was good. Um, Speaking of departures, uh, McDermott, John McDermott has left. Um, To me, and again, it's a fan thing here. You know, Pochettino's time is ended. Mr. McDermott's now left. It feels like a kind of end of an era where I felt. I felt we were really going in going somewhere. Yeah. Um, I know the club have said that they're going to be looking for replacements now, etc. And I think John's working out to the end of the season or, you know, possibly already. <laughs> um, yeah. But just, just from a, again, I'm guessing from a communication point of view, that's not something that was articulated to anybody at all. And it was just announced. Yeah, but it wouldn't be. I mean, as a trust, yeah. we mainly work off field. So um, our areas um, that we, we concentrate on are the, the areas that we can influence in terms of um, fan experience. So yeah. that that would be stewarding, policing, ticketing, catering, or you know, pricing, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So the on field we don't really get involved in because it's subjective. We wouldn't be picking a team or picking managers. I mean, God, that would be an absolute disaster. So we're very happy to let people who are professionals do that. So no trust really gets involved in academies or in on-field unless you're a trust that owns your club much further down the pyramid. Uh, Um, So it's unlikely um, that they would have... I've never met John McDermott. He's never been introduced to us as an organisation. So it's unlikely that they would have felt the need to give us a heads up on that. So yes, you're right. The first time that we heard about it was when we read it on the web. But yes, you're, you're also right that he will be a big loss. He was incredibly well thought of. Yeah. Um, within that area and the FA have, have got a real coup there I think yeah it's a, you know kudos to them and it will be interesting to see how the club now move that forward if they do change in direction a little bit yeah um, obviously we have no idea who they're interviewing or what the plan is there yeah. uh, and finally I mean we can't finish this without discussing it and this is again purely your opinion not the trust mm. purely your opinion do you think we're going to finish this season or do you think you're going to avoid it Oh, God. Um, I, I don't think they'll void it. I think that would be the last of the least palatable options. I yep. think that there would be so many legal challenges. Yeah. Because because for us, you know, we're, we're kind of just in that mid-table position, aren't we? I mean, if yeah. everyone else combusted, then there's a chance that we could have made the Champions League. But I, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't so much. And, and I know this is the thing. I know it's kind of like a voiding it yeah we'd be back in the champion i'm not even thinking about us no, really. I know you're not, no. i'm just thinking but about the, you, the only yeah. real precedent we ever have of a season being stopped like this by something yeah. it was voided so but of course yeah. football in money on. in I football mean, ha, ha, is... who are you going to relegate who's going to get promoted i mean they're the, yeah. they're the bigger issues so yeah, i think I that, would, that would be the one they'd be looking to avoid i think that we've now cleared euro 2020 off the table and the fa have yeah. given permission for the season to finish after the first of june I think that does give us some flexibility. I mean, another option, obviously, is to cancel next season and to use the time to play out the rest of this season. Or there there may be a chance to, you know, play in June, late June and July, get this season out of the way, have a short break, start a bit later and then go into next season. It is unknown, you know, territory, isn't it? It's uncharted territory. So everybody's feeling their way in the dark. 
but I know that the Premier League and the FA and UEFA and FIFA um, are in discussions and it's our job to make sure that the Football Supporters Association, who are the people who will have the voice there, uh, will put across the fan point of view. I know that fans feel quite, or some fans feel quite strongly about avoiding playing behind closed doors. Um, I kind of agree with them on that, to be honest. So do I, yeah. Let's see what the options are. Um, Hopefully they will reach... Um, a conclusion that is workable for the majority. Although, look, at this stage, nothing's going to be ideal. Uh, well, at this stage, we're still in a complete unknown. So, course, you know, yeah. and fo- football's completely secondary, you know, whilst, whilst people are real and stuff. But, uh, Kat, I just want to say a massive thank you. Um, really this is, this is Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, I know the listeners to the show find this really interesting as well. Oh, Hopefully you can come back and join us again. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, no problem. Whenever. Thank you so much. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Sam. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Um, It was really lovely speaking to Kat. Uh, We'd not actually spoken, uh, spoken, spoken before. We'd we'd messaged each other, uh, emails, uh, via Twitter and all sorts for for several years. But yeah, that's the first time we actually spoke, which was great. Hoping to meet up with her um, when the Trust has an end of season barbecue. Of course, when that end of season is, who knows right now? We're all in a bit of limbo. Obviously, uh, I hope that everyone's staying safe and well. Goes without saying, look after yourselves, follow the advice, stay in, please. Um, but we will be back again next week. The the podcast is going to continue to roll. Next week's episode is going to feature a gentleman called Harry Brooks. Harry is a football coach and analyst for all professional footballers. Uh, he basically works with academies. Uh, he's a coach for an independent football academy and works with sort of players and has worked one-to-one very recently with Tottenham's new signing, Stephen Bergwijn. Um, so it's going to be really interesting talking to him, uh, talking to him about obviously all things Spurs and football coaching in general, and just getting his perspective and take. We will be putting a post out on the Spurs News Facebook page for questions for that, but that is next week's show. Big thank you again to Cat for joining us this week. Hope everyone stays safe, look after each other. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on you Spurs! And remember, to dare is to do.